The business world is famous for buzzwords and jargon and for jumping on the flavor of the day bandwagon when a new topic makes its rounds in the media or the executive speaking circuit. Sustainability could easily become one of those topics if it hasn't already. My name's Stephanie Gordon. I'm one of the co-hosts for Zurich North America's Future of Risk podcast. The definition of sustainability is fuzzy and it's inconsistent. For some people, it's synonymous with climate change. Others give it a broader meaning. So we want to explore this topic from the perspective of one company, Zurich Insurance, and what it means for a profit-driven business entity to make a commitment to sustainability. I'm joined today by Don Heaston, Senior Vice President and Head of Captives, and Lisa Leftwich, Head of Sustainability Services within Zurich Resilient Solutions North America. So thank you both so much for being here. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. Lisa, I want to start with a question about why a company like Zurich, who's in the business to make a profit for its shareholders, in addition to serving our purpose, obviously, as an insurance provider, would make a commitment to sustainability as a cornerstone of its business. Can you talk a little bit about that? And and maybe you can work in a definition of the word as Zurich uses it while you go. Absolutely. So we are hearing more and more about ESG, right? And this used to be something that was a nice to have for companies, but we are now hearing about this as a business imperative. Shareholders are asking for it, customers are asking for it, employees are asking for it. And so it's really become mission critical for companies to understand and live into the ESG space. Um, and let's step back to your point about what does ESG even mean? <laughs> ESG is an acronym that stands for environmental, social, and governance. And this speaks to making the world a better place, essentially. Uh, one reason I appreciate Zurich as an employer is that our purpose statement is create a brighter future together. And that means embracing these ESG values and having a positive impact with the influence that we have as such a successful company. So when you talk about for the better of society or the world or employees, et cetera, could we consider this topic of sustainability kind of like the latest evolution of corporate responsibility, which maybe historically we thought about, you know, the eradication of child labor or worker safety protection or even environmental pollution, you know, when that movement started in the 1970s? Yes, absolutely. So there has been this movement for companies to be more socially impactful. And you mentioned some great examples and we're seeing that continue. Where that is evolving to though is stakeholders want to see companies make this a part of how they operate. This is no longer an extracurricular activity. There are calls for companies to make this core to their business. This year, actually, we're expecting guidelines from the SEC requirements that would require publicly traded companies to make uh, ESG disclosures on the climate side, but on the social side as well. Um, one, quantifying their impacts. Two, also looking at what is their plan to address risks in those areas. So ESG has definitely moved out from a nice to have to a business requirement. You mentioned shareholders, Lisa, but I think with some of the reading I've done, this is also becoming a factor in whether or not people consider an employer is a company they want to join, you know, as a worker and do business with. This is a factor as well as I think increasingly we see customers are interested in a company's position on sustainability or some of the other ESG factors that you mentioned, right? 
Absolutely. Um, I'm at a conference at the moment, and one of the comments made was there are some definite generational differences that we're seeing play out, right? As you look at millennials and newer folks who are coming into the workplace, these types of issues are very important to them. And they are voting with their feet in terms of the companies that they will work for and their expectations, as well as the brands that they will patronize, right? Patagonia is one that is held up as a great example of a company that's made a statement with their brand, they've made commitments, and they have a core customer base that follows them because of that. Um, Ben & Jerry's is another one that instead of trying to walk a fine line, has made some commitments actually before it became popular, and then they are celebrated for it. So absolutely, Stephanie, we are definitely seeing this become a more pressing consideration uh, in our society overall. And I think retail kind of beat us to it. We've seen a lot of that in the retail space, but now it's definitely moving into the financial services sector and insurance as well. So thank you, Lisa, for your thoughts. Um, Both you and Don are are fairly senior leaders in the company in North America. So from that perspective, could you guys talk a little bit about some of the actions that Zurich as a company, again, we talk about, you know, financial services is catching up on this topic. What are some of the things that Zurich is doing to walk the talk, both in the U.S. and abroad? So, Lisa, if you want, I could go ahead and get started on just a few things that the organization is actually doing. I think that a few that hit particularly close to home. When we think about the actions that Zurich is taking, I think it is along the very broad spectrum of what we're talking about in the ESG space and that Lisa took us through in terms of what those things actually mean, but that there are commitments that we're making in the areas of data. We want to make sure that we are honoring and our customers trust that they place in us, particularly with transparency, about how we're going to use their personal data. Zurich North America in particular and the Z Zurich Foundation, the Resilient Cities Networks, we're working together to address climate risks. And one topic that is particularly relevant is also the social inequalities that we see through the North America Climate Resiliency Program. And then finally, one thing that I'm particularly interested in and focused on, and I think Zurich has really stepped up, is really about the investments that they're making in the sustainability space and the strategy that we have around it and the work that we're doing specifically with our customers to support them and to really influence their own outlook on sustainability. Yeah, I agree with that, Donna. Many companies are taking action to make their own operations sustainable. So you look at For example, eliminating single-use plastic or encouraging volunteerism within their employees. I think it's, again, using our influence to drive positive change. That Zurich, that's what we're doing as we look to really partner with our customers and helping them make their own journeys as well. So that includes launching services like, you know, on the mass timber front. That was an emerging product in the construction space. The fact that we now ensure that. So by ensuring it, making it more feasible for companies to embrace it, providing services that help to stand up that service. Um, And there's other examples too, right? As you look at, for example, consulting with different types of companies to help them reduce their carbon footprint and being an advisor and sharing best practices. So that's definitely an area um, I think we've done a lot of great work and excited to do some more. 
Yeah, I think the commitment that we've made just as a, you know, Zurich organization, I think we not only embedded it within our own operations and actions, but Lisa, to your point, we really are now transitioning and really enhancing our involvement in meeting customers where they are and also then helping them on their journey going forward. So really seeing an evolution with where Zurich is in this particular space. So I th those are fantastic examples. Thank you both. So it's not just the commitment that Zurich's making on the ground, you know, like moving our fleet, for instance, to hybrid cars, those kind of tangible in-house things. But I really like the concept of using our influence to help our customers who want to move along their own sustainable path with some of our insights. Um, Lisa, you mentioned the mass timber product, things like that. So in terms of the work we're doing with our customers to help support them, along with our own commitment to sustainable investing, for instance, it's a whole other area we didn't even touch on yet. Uh, this work with the customer seems pretty meaningful to move the needle. Can you talk, Dawn, specifically about the creation of this sustainability captive? And maybe to start, you can tell us what that means. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So Zurich recently announced the formation of a new group captive, which brought together member companies or customers, if you will, with a common interest in advancing their sustainability business practices. And really, this captive, it has sustainability at its core. It is a first of its kind captive, which it really is focused on creating a brighter future, which nicely aligns with where Zurich is also from a value proposition, but also doing that through a sustainability lens. The creation of this captive was a little bit of a reversal in the usual way that we do develop group captives and how they're formed. And what I mean by that is that rather than having the starting members in mind first, the effort really started with the creation of a group captive that we did in conjunction with one of our distribution partners. And we proceeded with the basis of, if you build it, they will come. And so out of that, we started and launched a sustainability captive called Impact Limited, which will really still continue to provide the risk optimization benefits of a member-owned Zurich-fronted captive. And some of those things include predictability and pricing. Members are active in the participation of risk within that captive. And they also have the benefits of investment returns should their loss ratio perform better than what they had originally planned for. They're going to do all of this while supporting the members' individual sustainability and ESG objectives. Um, but members will also have the benefit of access to typical lines of coverage that we would find in a group captive model, uh, particularly work comp coverage, auto liability coverage, auto property damage coverage, and then also general liability coverage. And the members will have the ability to leverage the captive member network, not only for risk sharing, but improving in areas of sustainability and climate. So what is really unique additionally about this sustainability captive is that there will be the inclusion of a sustainability committee that'll be integrated. This committee will be accountable for monitoring the progress and commitments that the captive members have made collectively and individually. And the hope is that they will find ways to continue to integrate sustainability metrics and operations on a go-forward basis, even in the core operation 
of the captive itself. That, that is very cool, Donna. And I love the idea that um, usually you start, you know, a captive has something in common. They're all veterinarians or they're all another type of group that come together. But yes. this is really based on the thematic concept of sustainability. And I almost got the impression while you were talking, sort of like a support group, right? Yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> right. They're supporting the members individually, but they're also supporting each other. And then using the resources, you know, the expertise that Zurich brings in risk, et cetera, to, to help them along their journey, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And we actually like the concept of the diversity of the different industry sectors that will make up this captive, because to your point, Stephanie, it's a support group, right? And, and industries have the ability to learn from each other, and they have the ability to share those best practices. And so we really believe that this structure is going to be beneficial for all the members that are in it. Another one of Zurich's core values is diversity, you know, and we value the diversity of thought and experience. We believe that that brings better outcomes in problem solving and innovation. And I can see how what you're building, you know, potentially has the possibility of doing that same thing, because like you just mentioned, you're going to bring a lot of diverse organizations that wouldn't share the usual commonalities of a captive to bring their own unique perspectives to this topic. So besides arguably being what we think is the right thing to do from a sustainability commitment perspective, what kind of company might want to join this effort? Is this is this good for business? I really do believe that this is good for business, and it'll build a little bit on what Lisa had started talking about earlier and wanted to cover a couple of these points, but we're really talking about being in the here and now and sustainability truly becoming a business imperative. Companies will need to start looking at what some of these commitments are. And, you know, again, this captive is at least a option to be able to get the support that companies need in order to be able to drive this forward. But what are some of the things that we think make this good for business? So first and foremost, the prospective members for the captive really will receive a sustainability assessment of their carbon footprint and energy consumption so that they can get an idea basically on where they are. And then they can start to map out where they want to go from a company perspective. Building off of that, of course, is that really part of the research before even launching the sustainability captive indicated that companies that have a sustainability focus tend to perform better when it comes to risk management practices and also loss containment. So when they actually experience a claim and being able to deal with it. And I would say, aside from even those inherent benefits, most that are attributable to the benefits that align with just a group captive structure specifically, we do believe that the company's focus on sustainability can equate to real bottom line impacts. These bottom line realizations can impact operational costs, business continuity, buying power, reputation, which Lisa had also kind of touched upon before, and more um, just not in the long distance future, but really that impact's gonna be in the here and now. We do believe that employees are looking for companies that are actively looking for ways to positively impact the environment and really at the heart of it are just being good corporate citizens and really making tangible change to the community and the society at large. Um, this equates to talent attraction and retention, which has real savings impact. And then I would say also, and Lisa did touch upon this, I absolutely agree that 
consumers tend to buy from companies that they feel align with their own personal values and commitments. And so companies that can illustrate that either their product and services are dedicated to a more sustainable future or protecting the environment, or where sustainability just happens to be embedded in their day-to-day -day operations. So think end-to-end -end supply chain, if you will. Companies will see top-line growth as a result. And, and would it be fair to say, um, Dawn, and it may be too early in the life of this captive, but I would imagine, again, going back to the diversity of its membership, um, would it be fair to say that the companies who have chosen to join this captive could also end up being leaders in their industry in this because they're so embedded in this concept and they're learning from other peers and in other industries, as it were? Yes, Stephanie, I would say the answer to that is yes. And in most instances, these are considered best in class customers that are okay. entering these group captives regardless. And so now you bring in that sustainability component and now you do have either customers who are known to be best in class and have a brand and reputation already associated with them or you have members who are beginning that journey and will, in fact, through the structure that this group captives provide, get there as well. So there's real potential for those companies to also then become known as best in class in this area. It sounds like a lot of benefits and a really forward-thinking concept that's admirable. So Lisa, you're responsible for Zurich's profitable growth with the ESG services that the company provides. I assume some of those were developed specifically for members of this new sustainability or yes, no? Actually, no. But the great thing is that we were able to take those offerings and tailor them for okay. this particular captive, right? I think Don may have touched on the fact that for the first, and correct me, Don, but I believe the first 100 members of the captive will receive a scope one, two emissions analysis um, that we're providing for them. Yes, that's right. Yep. So again, a great capability in that essentially what that is, um, it assesses, right, what the current carbon footprint is for your immediate operation and energy sources. So again, a great step in the right direction. And here's the other thing. We're talking about reputational benefits. We're talking about it's the right thing to do. Keep in mind, there are local regulations that are being established to govern and drive action around some of this, right? In New York, there's regulation 97, which it governs the decarbonization of new buildings that are over 50,000 square feet, right? There's California. California's always in the lead, right? Looking to this year, it's expected they will pass legislation requiring companies with revenues over $1 billion a year to report their emissions and have them verified. So yes, this is the right thing to do. Yes, this is something that uh, shareholders, stakeholders will appreciate. But these companies in this captive are also getting a jump start on what we see is the new normal of mm -hmm. companies needing to lean into this and be responsible and demonstrate that commitment. So really, we see ourselves just at the cutting edge of, of what we expect to become a much larger trend over time. Absolutely. How many members are currently in the captive? So I'm happy to say that we have um, three founding members of the captive. 
um, with really several more prospective customers that are in the pipeline. So it's off and running, uh, and we're looking forward to seeing how the captive grows over the next several years and certainly makes progress on their sustainability goals. As you've been out, you know, talking to prospects and, and customers about this, what's kind of the reaction that you're getting? What's some of the feedback on the concept? Is it resonating? Are people intrigued by it? Is there a reluctance? So I would say the reaction is um, this is a great proposition that not only brings the benefits of the group captive structure and a lot of those benefits, but also an ability to recognize people's commitment and customers' commitments to sustainability. I mean, it's been a really overwhelmingly positive experience that I've had in the conversation. Some actually also say, well, it's about time um, that, <laughs> uh, right, that we get an opportunity to get recognized for some things that really some of these companies have paved the way and they this has just been the way that they've done business and now they have the ability to gain the benefits of an insurance structure that will cover their products that they need to as a company to do business but then also have the ability to continue getting services uh, that will help them continue with the impacts and positive impacts that they've already been having literally for years before entering this structure. So far from being a jargon or buzzword or the flavor of the month, we really see this as the future for business, right? Yeah, absolutely. I do. I think this is also a great example of how sustainability is not just a great thing to do, but it's a smart business move. So with Zurich, right, we have a really strong group captives offering. And so by joining into the sustainability captive, customers really get to take advantage of that strong solution that Don and her team have developed and brought to market. So again, it's already a great capability. And then the sustainability is just the icing on the cake, right? To make a really good thing even better, leaning into being forward-minded, thinking about your stakeholders, and then getting ready for these developments that we see that are coming. Fantastic. Well, Dawn, Lisa, thank you both so much for the conversation today. Um, congratulations on the important work that you're doing. Um, wish you both continued success and thanks. Thank you, Stephanie. Appreciate it. Thank you, Stephanie. And to our listeners, thanks for joining uh, Zurich North America's Future of Risk podcast. And we'll look forward to uh, talking with you again soon. Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you left a comment or review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Let us know what you think at media at ZurichNA.com and join us next week. The information in this audio recording was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes and is intended for Zurich clients and business partners. The information contained here may be useful to you or your enterprise when developing your own policies and procedures. The policies and procedures applicable to your enterprise should take into account the specific circumstances of your business and business environment, which is beyond the capacity of this podcast. Any and all information provided is not intended to constitute advice of any nature and is specifically not legal advice, and accordingly, you should consult with your own legal counsel. We do not guarantee 
guarantee the accuracy of this information presented or any results and further assume no liability in connection with this recording and the information provided therein. Moreover, Zurich reminds you that the information provided cannot be assumed to contain every acceptable safety and compliance procedure or that additional procedures might not be appropriate under the circumstances. The subject matter of this recording is not tied to any specific insurance product, nor will adopting these policies and procedures ensure coverage under any insurance policy. We encourage listeners to seek additional information from credible sources. Thank you.